0: I think through the hardship, through um, kind of breaking the walls and getting one step higher is how I grew as a person, because I, I saw what I was capable of. And I saw that I, I can do the, a lot of the things that I didn't think I would be able to do.
1: Hello, and welcome to episode four of Let's Talk About Life presented by TLDR Podcast. I just wanted to take a second to once again, thank you for tuning in. Your support is appreciated and does not go unnoticed, so thank you again, and I appreciate everything you do for this podcast, and thank you for listening. Our guest today is Arissa Poey. Um, Arissa is a aspiring nurse, is currently going through nursing school Um, today we talk a lot about her childhood and adversity she's faced because she wasn't born here she wasn't born in the united states she moved at a young age and had to learn an entirely different culture a new language so we could talk about that we could talk about how she was raised and how her parents have heavily influenced her life and how that those influences shape her into the person she is today and what characteristics she took from it we also talk about working out and volleyball and how that has had a huge impact on her life. Um, and as I'd mentioned earlier, she is a nursing student. So we talk about what her goals are and how nursing is now in this climate of COVID and how different it is from what it used to be. We talk about her goals and what her, what she wants to do next in her life. Rissa was an athlete of mine at Santiago Canyon college. Um, But since she's graduated and since she's left and gone on to nursing school, we've actually developed a really good friendship. And so it was really nice to be able to talk to her and have this conversation because I learned a lot, to be honest with you. Um, For example, she talks about not living, not growing up in the United States and how she was born somewhere else. I had no idea. That was news to me. Um, Anyway, this was a really great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Uh, This is going to be about an hour, I think. But honestly, it felt like a 10-minute thing. Like we could have talked for way longer. It was a lot of fun to do. I hope you guys appreciate it. Riss, how are you? I hear you're very busy nowadays. How has that been?
0: Um, hi. I'm good. Um, it's definitely been really, really busy. I'm a full time student, and I'm in an accelerating nursing program, so um, I don't really get breaks. It's just going, ongoing for two years. Um,
1: What does that mean? Accelerated. Nursing okay. program.
0: Um, it's basically what the nursing program should be, which is in three and a half to four years. It's now cut out to two years. So we don't get summer breaks. We don't have any breaks between terms. The only break we do get is once a year and that's Christmas. We get two weeks off. Oh my God. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so that must, that must be terrible. Like absolutely. It's terrible.
0: <laughs> it's pretty rough.
1: How far in are you right now?
0: I am a little over a year, so I have a little less than a year left.
1: Hey, you're almost there.
0: <laughs> I know.
1: What do you? What are your plans to do after this term is over? I know, like this term is just started, so I mean, I'm looking very far ahead. Um, but what are your plans to do after this term? Like that's a little, you get a breather, right?
0: Yeah, so wait, I get wait. I get about a week off usually between terms. Like we have some assignments too, but we don't really have class. Um. My plans are to do a lot of brunch and (laughs) just hang out. Um, I usually like to like start a TV show. And my number one rule is like, I have a one week to finish that TV show. So it's like constant binging. Um, But now that we're a little less nervous about COVID, I am actually planning to travel to Boston to see my cousin. She just gave birth to her second child. So, um, Uh, I'm going to do that. Hopefully fingers crossed.
1: Yeah. Boston. You've been there before.
0: Yeah. I went, um, I think a year and a half ago.
1: Oh, very cool. What is your favorite thing about Boston?
0: Um, the food, the pasta, like the pasta, the pizza, uh, they have this, these great cannolis it's called Mike's pastry. If you ever got food, the food, (laughs)
1: You are a big foodie. I know that for sure. Uh, you and I have gone on a decent amount of food adventures, but you've gone way more. What is your favorite thing to go, like, what is your favorite thing to find in terms of being a foodie?
0: Um, I like variety. Like, I like to try different things. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm really open to anything, but usually whenever I travel, and I don't know if you're talking about, like, traveling-wise.
1: Yeah, anything.
0: Um, But usually when I travel, I like to try whatever is big in that state or that city so like um i know in like boston one of the things is like they're known for their like italian foods and then they're also known for their lobsters like lobster wool. so i had both of those and then like wherever i go i'll just be on like Tripadvisor like two weeks before <laughs> like searching all these restaurants
1: <laughs> you like Tripadvisor advisor over yelp
0: uh, do you use yelp yeah, I do. I, I have started to, I did not before.
1: <laughs> Yelp is what I go to whenever I want to eat something. Yelp. That's, that, that's where it's at. I don't ever use chip advisor, but I also don't travel all that much. so That could be it.
0: Well, I mean, I use Yelp once I'm there because I like to see okay. pictures of foods and that helps me. But before I go, when I don't really know what area I'm going to be, I just look at a general, like to get a general idea of what foods are around to try.
1: Very cool. Like- um, okay let's get down to you um so a lot of people who won't see you because we don't really do youtube just yet um you are not white your name is Arissa. your last name is poey right so what is your ethnicity and what is your race i'm persian okay and you grew up in irvine yes so what was that like living in irvine being persian
0: um it's a little, it's, it's different for sure. Um, the good thing is that Orange County had a lot of diversity. Um, so that was pretty cool. I was, I definitely felt like a minority at some point, but I think a big aspect to that is because I wasn't born here. Um, I moved here when I was in third grade, I moved to Texas, not California. And um, I always tell everyone, like, I don't recall anything from third, fourth or fifth grade because I just didn't know English. (laughs) It's just like, I didn't know anything. Um, I was definitely like bullied back in Texas because there's less like diversity there at times. Um, But other than that, my Orange County experience wasn't that bad. Apart from moving here and like finding new friends, but um, I was able to find like a lot of friends. Actually, two of my best friends at the time were Persian. Um, so that wasn't like really hard, I guess it wasn't really hard adjustment.
1: So they're Persians that you didn't know prior to coming to Orange County. They're, yeah. they're already here and then you met them and they're Persian. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the cards fell in your favor on that one. That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so you said you didn't know English from third through fifth grade. How did you end up learning English? What was the process of that?
0: I was thrown in. I mean, I was going to school. I was definitely in different classes. Um, like I know I was like part of an ESL program. Um, and I I would just be thrown in and just had to learn. And I think honestly, that's the best way to learn a language is to just go there and and be surrounded by everyone talking that language and you're forced to read that language and write that language. Um, funny story was when I first moved here, I was living with my uncle and cousins with my mom and my mom didn't know any English, but my cousin, my older cousin who lives in Boston now, she knew English and we got a call. They got a call from my school and, um, it was basically my my teacher being worried because I never used the bathroom like the <laughs> entire time um, that I was in school. Like I didn't ever raise my hand to go to the bathroom and. Because I didn't know how to ask and I was nervous to like raise my hand to like ask. So I would just like basically hold it. <laughs> oh my gosh. And um, so she called and she was just like, you know, like she just has to raise her finger. Like we had like this sign, I don't know how to explain it, but you just crossing just your
1: finger one or the other. Crossing the other.
0: fingers, yeah. And you just rose it up and They just told you to go to the bathroom. So I thought that was like funny, but there was like a bunch of things that had happened. Like I was just very quiet, didn't really talk, didn't really use the bathroom apparently. But yeah.
1: You quiet? Oh my gosh. You've come a long way since then. That's for (laughs) sure. Uh, Early on when you first moved, that must have been extremely stressful. I mean, at, at third through fifth grade, your perception of reality and your perception of time was a little warped. Uh, but do you ever recall like being extremely extremely scared
0: um i was definitely well when we first moved my dad actually worked at one of the top banks in iran so he because we moved here through my um grandparents because my grandparents are citizens here so When we moved, they didn't let my dad move until six months later than my mom and I. Um, And because they had, they had to do a lot of background check on my dad. And I remember I was like crying my eyes out because I, for the first time I was living without my dad and we were going to this whole different world. Um, And it was, that was definitely one of the scariest times And then I would say the next time that I was really scared was probably when we moved to California because Mm -hmm. I felt like I had finally built that foundation and I finally was like finding my group of people. And now we're moving to this whole different state, city where I had to meet everyone again. And at this point I was entering middle school. So um, I was definitely scared. And I remember my mom made a deal with me that she was like, We're going to stay here for a year. And if you really hate it, we'll move back. Um, and I ended up not hating it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And you've been here ever since. Yeah. Uh, how did you get through those tough times? The first part without your dad and the next part moving from Texas to California, what did you focus on to bring you through those tough times?
0: Um, I would say family. Um, family for sure. Cause when I moved here with my mom, I had my cousins and I had my uncle and then they were just kind of my resources. Mm -hmm. And then once I moved here too, it was again, it had to be my family because they were kind of all I had at one point. So until I found new people and new friends, but for sure, family.
1: Would you say you guys are just as close now or have you grown apart or have you gone closer since you've entered like adulthood?
0: Um, my mom and I have always been close. Uh, I would say we, she's literally like my sister, best friend. Like we don't have, she's definitely had to put me into place at some point when <laughs> I was like younger, but it was never like, she had a very good idea on how to make me super comfortable with her to go to her as like my friend. But she would always be there to give me the advice of like a mother. Um, So that has always been really cool. And everyone around me understands that like me and my mom are very close. Just the way we act. We're always like talking on the phone now that I moved out. But um, my dad and I, we were very different culturally. Once I was growing up here and he had the whole like, you know, Iran mindset, which things are super different. Um, what is it?
1: Sorry. Uh, what is the difference between the two so, if you don't mind elaborating?
0: No, of course not. So one of like the big things was once I went, started going to like high school, I started, you know, talking to guys and that's like a big no, no. And like, as a Persian dad, you're very, very protective. And, you know, in Iran, you're not allowed to be, you have like different schools like, between girls and guys. Um, You're not really allowed to, like, walk with guys, like, out in the public. You're not allowed to, um, unless they're, like, your husband or your, um, like, brother, I think. And so that was, like, a huge shift for my dad. Um, And he he basically, my mom was, like, his only girlfriend. And then they got Mm -hmm. married. So he didn't really understand this whole concept of boyfriend and just, like, guy friends. Um, So I know that was, like, really tough. Um, and then just like going into the simple things, like even just, I remember getting my eyebrows threaded for the first time. Um, he was like super against that. And he just like, so I don't, I don't really know how to explain it, but like culturally, we were very different at this point. So it made me not want to go to him and didn't make me feel comfortable. I felt like I was always getting lectured. So, um, growing up, up until I would say, junior year high school, we were not very close. Like we were just, we just had the simple like, hi, how are you, type of relationship. But then once we, I hit like junior year and I was growing up a little bit more, he was opening to the idea of, okay, we're in a different country. This is how things kind of roll here. Um, we have now gotten a lot more closer And he's definitely opened up and changed to a way that I can now go and talk to him as if like, he's my friend. And I don't know if it's more like he's changed or it's more like he's accepted that I'm 22 now and I'm like grown up and I'm not the six year old anymore. Mm -hmm. So, um, I would say right now, sorry, that was like a lot, but I would (laughs) say right now we're super close. I'm super close with both, both of them.
1: Okay. But definitely your mom, right?
0: Definitely my mom. Yeah.
1: Uh, i kind of want to circle back to that and how did how exactly did she raise you by putting you you said putting you in your place in your quotes but also letting you develop as your own human like what did she do do you have an examples of how she raised you that way because i that's that's a great learning point i mean the way you turned out the way you how close you guys are and the amount of trust you guys have that's beautiful to see so it's a good learning point to kind of think back and other people who listen to this podcast who have a daughter or a son that might want to raise their kid that way
0: yeah. I don't know how she did it. I don't think, like, I don't think I can pinpoint how she ever did it. Um, but as a person, she's very, very open-minded. Um, and she definitely is a listener. I would say that's the huge difference between my dad and my mom is that my dad is kind of quick tempered. He likes to like, kind of, not attack you, but like, he just likes to share his opinion very fast. Versus my mom really listens and doesn't really give advice until she's kind of asked to give advice. So I think, um, a lot of the times she just allowed me to share and she allowed, she allowed, she made that safe environment by kind of asking, but not really being super into my business. So like by starting with like, how's your day? Like what's going on now? Like, um, I don't, I don't really know, but she just made created that safe environment and she did it by not really ever talking to me in a judgmental tone or ever acting like she made me feel like, I guess, especially when I was younger, that I am smart enough in the decisions that I make. And she trusted me in those decisions and it's okay. Sometimes that I messed up, but she was open to hearing how I handled situations And then she would kind of guide me towards how I could have handled it better, I guess.
1: Wow, that's really cool. That's super mature. Um, A lot of times what I hear from kids, teenagers is how their parents raise them. It's very dictator-like. It's Mm kind of like a helicopter parent telling them what to do, when to do it, how to react and how to feel. In your end, she let you feel everything and let you make the decision. And if that decision was right or wrong, she advised you regardless. And it wasn't like, she forced her opinion upon you. She told you what she thought, and you took that into account, and you still did what you wanted to do based off the things that you were told. Yeah. And it was giving you a lot of autonomy at a young age, and I think that developed you really well. And you still have that same trust right now, yes. which is awesome to see.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so typically, a kid, a, a person is the combination of traits between their mom and their dad, and any other. Big influence in their life, but I kind of want to focus on your mom and your dad, and what characteristics did you take from each of them to create you right now?
0: Hmm. That's a good question. Um, for my dad, his work ethic. My dad is one of the hardest working men I've ever met in my entire life. Um, you know, moving here, getting a new job, coming to this different like world and not knowing anything, um, he definitely had to work hard to provide for my mom and my, or my mom and me. And I think he has great, great work ethic. He's always trying to learn. He is always like taking classes to get different licenses. He was always working like a job for sure. And then sometimes he would add on two more jobs. Um, I would say that his work ethic and his dedication has always stood out to me. And I think I get that a lot from him. Um, and he's very okay with failing. And I also get that from him versus my mom. She's very like chill, relaxed person, which I am like the opposite. Um, but I think. What I have taken away from her, um, like that unconditional support that she's always provided me. Um, and I like to think that in a way I can be very supportive and a very people person. Um, and that's definitely how she is. She's always focused on how to make someone else's day better or how to help someone else. Um, And she definitely has that weakness of picking other people before picking herself. And I have found myself do that a lot of the times. And that's something my dad doesn't do. Um, So dedication and work ethic from my dad, and then just being that people person and putting others first and trying to help people out for my mom.
1: Wow. (laughs) It's crazy. I don't know if you realize this, but the profession you chose in nursing is the exact combination of those two aspects. Yes. To be a nurse, you got to be so hardworking. Like you work so many hours, you do the hardest things, and then you still have to be compassionate. You still have to care about other people. Yeah. I mean, like you can work hard and not care about other people. But you're not going to be a nurse. Like, you have to have bedside manner, and you definitely have bedside manner. Like it's crazy. Mm-hmm. People love you. People adore you. And people want to be around you, and that's apparent all the way through. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I want to go kind of circle back to the more adversarial parts of your life and how you got through it. Um the biggest thing so far that we've uncovered is the fact that you had to move and you uh, lost, not lost, but you changed the entire way of life. Um, that, I don't know if that, where that ranks in terms of adversity in your life. I don't know if that's number one or number two, but is there anything else up there that you've had to face that pushed you to the edge and made you like really question your belief systems or questioned what your body was able to do? Has there anything in your life, has there anything, happened has anything happened like that that made you question stuff like that and how did you get through it
0: Mm. okay I need you to ask that question differently
1: okay (laughs) what is the hardest thing you've done okay
0: um the hardest thing I have done right now I would have to be nursing school um I would say nursing school and volleyball.
1: Volleyball, okay. Uh, let's let's dive into volleyball. You are a volleyball player, and you are you are a libero, correct? Yes. And you also played at SCC, where I met you uh, last week. We had Naomi on. We talked about her struggles with dealing with a losing season, and you were on the exact same team as Naomi. Yeah. Yeah, and you were there for a year before that as well. So can you detail your experience coming to SEC, being a volleyball player, and how that impacted you today?
0: Um, volleyball definitely taught me how to grow. Um, I think that kind of going back to the question you asked too um, earlier, volleyball was something that definitely got me through, I guess, moving to California. Because once I got into high school um, – Freshman year, I wasn't on the team. I got cut from the team because I couldn't make tryouts and I was out of town and all my friends got on. Um, I think that was super tough. Just being a freshman. Now all my close friends are part of a team and I felt super left out. Um, I remember my mom. And at the time we weren't financially like stable. Um, But my mom was going to college and what she did was she would take her financial aid money that she would receive and she put me into a club for volleyball Um, and I got super into it because of like how she was affording and how she was putting me in that club Um, but also because I was so motivated to get on the team the next, the next year. Um, and I would say that in regards to volleyball, my passion was always there, but I don't think I was always good. (laughs) And, um, I had to really, really work my butt off to be a decent player, to be put on different teams, um, and to even, have the ability to play at a college level. Um, and I think through the hardship, through um, kind of breaking the walls and getting one step higher is how I grew as a person. Because I, I saw what I was capable of and I saw that I, I can do the, a lot of the things that I didn't think I would be able to do. And I think the perfect example was my last year at SCC playing. Um, And, you know, kind of the story behind that, but having that really tough coach coming from not a great record, (laughs) losing constantly um, having to be there mentally and physically every day and having to push without anything pushing you because you're not getting those wins. Um, And it almost feels like you're not, you don't have anything to look forward to because you don't have those wins. Um, That was one of the big milestones is being your own motivator and being able to um, push against those barriers and do things that you didn't think you would be able to do. And I think one of the things had to be, we had to run a seven minute mile before every practice and never in my Life. If you told me I would be running a seven-minute mile, I would think like I would just laugh at you. (laughs) But once I did it, it was like shocking. Just like oh my god, I just did that. And I think volleyball. A lot of it was physical. Um, And I remember when we would have our Friday workouts, that would like blow my mind as how much I could do and how much I was really capable of doing without knowing that I was capable. I
1: don't know if that answered what you were saying. Oh, 100%. Okay. (laughs) Uh, That was a great answer. Uh, I just kind of want to clarify. Let's start with the the tough coach. Um, She did have a tough coach. She was very hard on you, to say the least. Um, Some would say picked on you. Uh, but I'm not going to put words in your mouth. That's what I That's what I saw. And that's what I'm going <laughs> to say out there. Uh, you can neither confirm. You don't have to confirm or deny that. Um, but also, you would also talked about the Friday workouts. And for people listening, every Friday, I'd have these workouts that I designed. And it was a group workout. And it was like you're on a, on a team or you're by yourself. But they were designed to be extremely hard, extremely mentally and physically extenuating. And people loved it. She loved it. She did it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool to see. Um, I do want to go back to whatever she said earlier when she was talking about how she got through where she got motivation from when she was trying to push through without winning. So risks, how, what did you think about and how did you develop that motivation within yourself to push yourself to become better each and every day without the results being there?
0: I think that, um, I owed it to my mom to a certain extent I think that she believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. And once I started volleyball and once even starting from high school, once I went back sophomore year and I got on the team, it was like, Oh shoot. I did it. (laughs) Like I wasn't expecting that. Um, So I think through that, I learned to kind of believe in myself and just see the positive Um, in high school. I would say like around sophomore year, sophomore, junior year, I was a very negative person. Um, I didn't really see the positive in anything. I would just kind of be like, oh, well, of course this would happen to me. Just knowing my Yay! luck, like this happened to me. Um, and I really shifted that. I changed and to the point where I start to be annoying about it, just to get in that habit of, you know what, what is that one little good thing that's coming out of this? And that's, I think that was the drive for me. I saw it as, okay, we're not winning. Um, everyone's bodies hurt (laughs) and we're all mentally exhausted, but I knew that by putting the work in, I was going to come out as a better athlete, um, mentally and physically. So, um, I mean, by the end of that season, I was able to run that seven mile. I was able to um, become faster at my sprinting or digging that ball versus mentally. I was able to just take in criticism after criticism after criticism and kind of try to take whatever the slightest good they were telling me and just kind of thrive off of that. Um, And I think that was that was huge because in life you don't really get the nice things all the time. Um, No one's everyone, or no, one's going to tell you you're great every day. No one's going to be there for you every day. And you just have yourself to just kind of rely back on and be like, okay, what is good here? What, what am I seeing here? And then just kind of move towards that little good.
1: Wow. There's a lot of really great points that you're making throughout all that. Like, so typically, Throughout these podcasts, I find a line that I want to put at the beginning as your intro. And throughout that one, I don't know, that two-minute segment you just had, I think I just came up with three. So really good job. (laughs) Um, As you as a listener know, I have been working on a lot of manifestation and abundance, and that is a core principle. Uh, What she said about focusing on the good things and being grateful for what you do have rather than what you don't have is a key fundamental principle in almost everything in life that's good. So if you as a listener can take that in and think about more of what you have rather than what you don't have and be appreciative for what you have, it tends to lend itself to positive vibes. Uh, Riz, I want to focus a little bit more on the little switch that flipped. You said that you were mostly negative and then all of a sudden you started becoming positive. What flipped to make you want to switch that?
0: Um, I think again growing um, in high school I was in a long-term relationship and it wasn't the healthiest type of relationship and in high school I also lost my grandma um, who was very very close to me and with those two I didn't take it in well mentally so once I lost my grandma I became this very negative person I I was kind of like what's what's the good like why like someone amazing like her who was healthy just like passed away and like what why would why would that happen I was just very confused and that was like the number one death in my life um and that happened my freshman year and then moving on was my relationship which wasn't wasn't healthy because we were so young. Um, and we didn't know how to deal with certain things. And once junior year hit, um, that relationship ended and I, I was lost to say the least. I had pretty much grown up with this person cause I started dating them in eighth grade. And then now it's my junior year in high school. <laughs> and it's like, now this person's completely gone. Um, And I had to sit and really find myself. Like, I was just like, who the heck am I? Like, how do I do life? Um, And I think it took a lot of practice and it goes back to just a little thing of, okay, I'm going to be annoyingly positive about everything in my life. So I'm just going to take the little thing and just make it this big thing. Um, I started living for the people that couldn't live. So I started living for my grandma because she couldn't continue. And I want to think that she can still look at me from up there and I wanted to make her proud. So um, another thing was that I lost a close friend of mine and he just turned 22 this year. Um, and it was that was like another thing. Like I want to live for the people that couldn't live. And I want to make this life The best that I can and the best that I can live, I guess, because of all those struggles, all those hardships that, um, I went through and also going back to what my parents went through when they moved here for me. Um, so I think those were all the things that made me flip the switch because there's only so much you can take being negative all day. Like it's not fun (laughs) after a while. It definitely gets old. Um, but yeah.
1: Wow. You have a very mature perspective on a lot of things. Um, a lot of times people are selfish. You're not, you literally said, I'm going to live my life to the best of my ability so that those who can't be here will know that I did that. I'll live for them. That's really cool and really awesome. Uh, you said that you want, you're overly positive all the time. Uh, do you still have those negative thoughts though? And if you do, that's totally okay. It's, we're not a machine that can only program to have positive thoughts. When you have negative thoughts, what do you do?
0: Um, when I have negative thoughts now, I feel it. I feel my emotions. And that's something I didn't used to do before. Um, I allow myself to be negative for that, for that moment. Um, I definitely have bad days. There are days where I wake up and I'm like, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to do anything. And I definitely allow myself to have that. But instead of making it a whole day, I would be like, okay, for the next hour, you can lay here. You can not do anything. You can cry. You can laugh. You can be on Instagram, (laughs) whatever you want to do, take this moment, really feel whatever you want to feel. But after this hour, you need to get up, you need to do something. Or whether it's me going out on a walk and just saying one thing that I'm thankful for, or me reaching out to someone that I love dearly and just being like, I love you. And once they say, I love you, just makes you feel more like special and better. Um, And just kind of, or maybe just surround myself with like the people that I love and I'm closest with. Um, So I think allowing myself to feel And then putting that limit, though, of just being like, okay, that's enough. (laughs) Enough feelings. Now move on.
1: Have you done that recently?
0: Yes, 100%. Um, I think with nursing school, it, it becomes really tough because every day you wake up and you have something to do. And I can't really take the time to stop and focus on me. Um, so there has been times where I'm just like exhausted and I don't want to do anything. Um, I think it was actually yesterday I was about to work out and I just started crying and laughing at the same time. And I had no idea what was going on. I knew I was sad, but I I wasn't sure why I was sad. So I just allowed myself to just do a little cry. And then I laughed about it and then I had a great workout and then I just moved on. So, um, definitely going back to letting myself feel those emotions
1: I like that that's really great instead of suppressing it you're letting yourself feel and you get over it mm-hmm. not saying get over it in a bad way but you're feeling what you're feeling and you're moving past that with a different emotion because you've let yourself feel instead of suppressing it letting it fester and grow inside of you you're letting it go
0: yeah
1: and that's an awesome feeling you mentioned it working out a second ago how do you manage to work out and do things that you love with a busy hectic schedule that you already have
0: um, I've kind of, I mean, working out has been such a big thing in my life ever since I was in high school, um, that it's, it's kind of like habit now. Um, I don't really see it as an option of not working out. Um, so whether it's okay, I get up a little earlier or I just cut my workout in half the time but I will get it done with. And I think what has helped is just doing it in the morning and just getting it over with. Um, or if I, I just try to be active in some sort of way, maybe that day I can't get a full workout in, but okay, I'm going to go on like two 30 minute walks or maybe that night I'm just going to spend some time stretching. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a vigorous workout. It doesn't have to be like weightlifting or like sprinting for miles. Um, it can be just any sort of activity that I can get in that day.
1: What happens if you, when you don't work out at all for you? It doesn't, (laughs) like
0: that has never, that doesn't happen.
1: (laughs) So have you ever heard of Jocko Willink? He's like the ex um, Navy SEAL guy. He has this saying called discipline equals freedom. And it's the same thing I'm seeing with you is that you're so disciplined And it's like working out is not something you get to choose. It has to be done. Mm -hmm. And that equals freedom because now you don't have to wrestle in your head about, do I work out today? Do I not work out today? It's no, I have to work out today. No questions asked. There's no way that's not happening. And so it allows you to devote more time and energy to focusing on choices of something else. Yeah. You know, so discipline equals freedom. And that is exemplified in that case right now you said that you try to get something in no matter what, whether it be a 30 minute walk or a vigorous workout, whatever time allows you to have, but what is your philosophy in working out?
0: Um, philosophy. I don't know. I think it goes back to, um, again, kind of figuring out what I'm capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think that's what I enjoy the most about working out is doing new things that I've never done before. And and I love challenges and not just with working out. Like I'm a very stressful person in life and that's because I choose to be. Um, I like challenges and I think working out brings challenges because you can never be good enough. Like there's always something you can improve on. And I really, really like that. So I think I wake up every day and just try to get closer to whatever it is that I know that I won't really achieve ever because it's, and that sounds so depressing, but (laughs) it's actually really cool because in 10 years from now, I could be doing something that I never thought. But then in 20 years from now, that 10 years from now, wouldn't even have expected what's happening in 20 years from now. That was very confusing, but.
1: No, not at all. I think you explained it really well. Okay. <laughs> I think that really just goes back to whatever your dad taught you, the characteristic you took from your dad. Yeah. You said he's always improving, and that's exactly what you're doing working out. Yeah. So what are you working on? Like, what is your biggest goal in terms of working out right now? What are you working towards?
0: Um, I, I lost a lot of muscle in, in quarantine. So I, or while quarantining. I would say is gaining my muscle back and then kind of building up my endurance. Mm -hmm. Looking back from like a year ago, I have definitely decreased a little bit my, I guess, where I would want to be. And that has, that's not only due to COVID, but it's due to nursing school. And just because I don't have the time to spend an hour and a half or whatever I used to spend before. Um, So, yeah, I, I guess I would say just, building back up to where i was about a year ago so that's all that's with becoming stronger and becoming more like athletic as in like being able to sprint being able to jump being able to just be very like flexible with whatever i'm doing
1: being able to adapt to things that are placed in front of you yes essentially. Yeah. There, we there we go. How are you accomplishing those goals? Like, what steps are you taking?
0: Uh, <laughs> I have, okay, I started this whole thing, um, I would say in December. So it's pretty new. Uh, but every month I have like a little challenge, a little physical challenge. Um, and the month of December was stretching for 20 to 30 minutes every night. Um, because I'm the least flexible person. Um, actually, you would relate to this because you're not, but you're not. <laughs> I actually started stretching. Fun fact. Good. Good. So I did that for a month and it's kind of sad because I completely stopped. But um, January consisted of running, which fun fact, I did fail at that challenge. Um, I That's was okay. to, I was supposed to get 16 miles for the month. So it was like roughly four miles a week. Um, very easy, very doable. I can see it in your face. <laughs> but but I don't like running and I hated it. Um, but I'm, I'm happy to say that I got nine miles. So that's nine miles more than any other month. So that's how I like to look at it. Um, and this, this month is getting at least 8,000 steps because I don't really get out of the house unless it's, just going downstairs to work out. Um, Other than that, I'm I'm cooped in studying. So um, this month is going out there and getting those 8,000 steps. I think little challenges like this are helping me to become more athletic, whether it's, you know, whether it's 8,000 steps or stretching for a month. I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but as days go by, like it definitely adds up and it's definitely more than what you are doing the day before.
1: All right, And it also adds on to momentum and momentum is key. Mm-hmm. Accomplishing your goal one day makes you more likely to accomplish that goal the next day and the next day after that. And it just keeps building upon itself until you reach that goal that you always wanted to achieve. I agree. So, guys, we're going to take a quick break. But when we return, we're going to talk more about Rissa's schooling and how nursing is going for her right now. Welcome back, everybody! Thank you for tuning in. Um, when we were off air for a little bit, Riss and I were talking about a story about running, and I think she wants to share it. So, Riss, go right ahead.
0: <laughs> so, I don't even know how long ago was this. I uh,
1: this is probably remember. like six months ago.
0: Oh, oh, okay, six months ago. Um, James randomly texted me and was like, "All right, let's let's do a workout and go on a hike." And I was like. Okay, whatever. Let's do it. Um, I dragged my friend Alma with me, and I was like, you know what? If I'm dying, you're dying today. So <laughs> we get to James's house, and um, how many miles did we do?
1: Four. It's been four, yeah.
0: Yeah. He started out with saying, "Okay, we're gonna run for four miles," and I immediately look at Alma because we're both not run not runners, and um. James can pretty much do whatever the heck you put in front of him. So um, he had no problem doing it. So I was like, all right, let's, let's just one mile at a time. And when I tell you the amount of times I thought about just tripping and falling and not getting back up, <laughs> it was like unreal. I would just like look at her and I'm like, I have like every single body part right now is cramping. And it was just like the worst time. It was the worst time. Um, but we did it very, very slowly. James had to like probably stop and run back to us like seven times (laughs) or just like wait and jog in place until we got there. Um, so that, that should just tell you how much I hated running. And that is one of the main reasons why January was supposed to be like, okay, let's get into it. Let's build that endurance up. And clearly I failed again. So (laughs)
1: Thing about failings that you learn and then you can always try again. I don't so know. So, if you <laughs> <laughs> the best part about that story that she just told, however, is that we stopped about halfway through. So, it's like two miles in. We took a little break because they're pretty far behind. And Alma, her friend, looks at us and she's like, Oh, is this the hike? And I'm like, No, we're like halfway done with the run. And her <laughs> face just dropped. It looked like she was going to cry. I felt so bad for her.
0: We <laughs> were, it was terrible. <laughs>
1: And remember Eric too is like, dude, they're not gonna make it.
0: <laughs> I don't even know how Eric made it, so that's fine.
1: Hey, you guys beat Tyler, just so you know. Tyler quit about one mile later and walked back to my house last time we did a four-mile run. So Ty, I know you listening to this. Yeah, she beat you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I do want to get into more of your schooling. Like how was what was school like for you and how did you end up being a nurse?
0: Um I hated school. Okay. I hate school. Um, and this is something my mom always makes fun of me of because, and she'll tell this to anyone, even if you ask her right now, she'd probably say it. Ever since I was in first grade, I hated school and I would announce it to the whole wide world. Um, and what she always says is I have heard you say you hate school since first grade and you have always been the top student. Um And my reasoning is because I never want to repeat anything school related. Like if you ever told me to repeat a grade or repeat a class, I would probably drop out. Um, cause I don't want to, I hate, like I can't even explain to you how much I hate school, but luckily I've been, I've always been good at it. So, um, not because I'm just naturally smart, but because again, going back to the work ethic, my dad has taught me, um, I've just always found a way to master every topic by studying the way that they want you to. Um, and I think school is kind of like a game. Uh, you kind of get, like you're being tested and they already know what they're, you're gonna get asked and you just have to figure out what they're gonna ask you. So it's like this little game you play with yourself before every quiz. You're like, okay, what are you going to ask me? like you just kind of try to figure it out um I I want to say ever since freshman year high school I wanted to be a neurosurgeon mainly because of Grey's Anatomy um (laughs) but once I figured out how much schooling that is um I decided to be a nurse because I love the medical field I love working with people and helping people. And I think that nurses are one of the most respected human beings. And I think we have seen this a lot with COVID. And I think that's one thing I'm really, really thankful for. And one thing that has pushed me to go into this career because they literally care so much, so much for others that they put themselves last almost. And we have seen a lot of like stories about nurses um, breaking down, using the same masks, using the same PPEs and just, um, but still going every day, every day going and helping people. Um, So I think I love, love, love that aspect about being a nurse and that is why I'm in this program. Um, Another thing that has always pushed me, and this is the last thing, But um, it's the struggle that my parents went through for me to come here. So um, I have always felt as if, and this, they've never made me feel like this, but I just feel like this because I've seen them struggle. So I feel like this is the only way I could say that what you did was worth it. So me building this life for myself, me succeeding in, this program, high school, middle school, whatever, wherever I go next, it's gonna indirectly show them that, wow, we did it, and it was ten years of struggle, ten years of doing jobs that they were way overly qualified for, um, but because they didn't know the language, they still had to do it to pay that rent, to feed up, to feed me, um, and I want to show them that it's it's worth it. And that is how I do it. I do it through school. I do it by being the top person in my class because it gives them something to brag about. And it gives me something to work towards. So it works out.
1: It's really cool how the thing that you want to make your parents proud of you for is also aligns with what you want to do with your life and your personality and your characteristics. That's really awesome. Uh, Going back to the schooling portion of it, what special classes did you take in, in before nursing school, but in high school and in community college, what special classes did you take to get into nursing school?
0: Um, a lot of, I mean, the main classes you take would be like anatomy, physiology, your science classes. I was always a science girl. I like, I didn't care for any other like history, not my jam. I would take like, physiology over again than to take another history class. Um, I always hated English. I um I'm very science based because it I like to know answers. So <laughs> I think um those were the classes I definitely enjoy taking, but you do take a lot of like random classes. Like I took a lot of English, I took a lot of history, I took a lot of um math ew. <laughs> but um, yeah like a lot of classes. <laughs>
1: Do you think those classes prepared actually prepared you for nursing school? Or is it just a stupid requirement that you have to do prior to getting there?
0: Um, I think that the pe- they prepared me not for nursing school. I think they prepared my brain to be structured to work a different way, if that makes sense. Like um, with science you have to look at a problem, you have to see the research behind the problem. You have to understand why this is happening and then kind of go about it. And that's that's a lot of nursing. Um, so I think it taught me how to think that way. Um, I would say that it was also a waste of time for sure. <laughs> I don't think I needed a lot of those classes, um, but yeah.
1: And nursing school right now you are, you said a year and a half in give or take what classes are you taking? What have you finished in nursing and what classes are you currently taking in nursing?
0: I have finished fundamentals of nursing. I went into medical surgical. I finished that and pharmacology. Um, And then I took mental health um, and physical assessment again, another stupid class. (laughs) And then I, I just finished intermittent medical surgical And now I'm currently into OB, so dealing with a lot of pregnant, pregnancy, fetal stuff. Mm. Um, I still have to take pediatrics. I have to take public health. I have to take critical care, which is basically your last med surge. And then that's it.
1: Have you found a favorite yet?
0: Yes, I fell in love with mental health. I loved everything about it. Um, other than that, no, mental health was just like, had my heart.
1: (laughs) What about mental health had your heart?
0: I, a lot of it is because of the stigma. Everything you learn is that we have this negative stigma, um, with mentally ill patients. Um, I have struggled with a few things that I like finally learned about, um in mental health and it it felt good not to feel alone in those things and also just like learning all these different disorders that are not your choice <laughs> like it's it's really it's very eye opening and that's what i liked about it mm-hmm.
1: so as a nurse where would you go after nursing school if you wanted to pursue something in the mental health realm
0: Um, I have definitely thought about becoming a psych nurse. Um, I just don't know if I could mentally handle that. Everyone says it's really hard because, you know, you're dealing with mentally ill patients 24-7. So I have thought about either going part-time into becoming a psych nurse and then part-time doing something else. Or just working in the ER because you do deal with a lot of mentally ill patients in the ER, but you also get a variety of different things.
1: Is it normal to do the part-time, part-time thing?
0: Yeah, you can definitely do that.
1: Oh, wow. That's crazy to me because you have to literally switch up the way of thinking.
0: Yeah. And
1: it's it's almost two different jobs in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. How do you think you would manage that if you got the part-time, part-time thing?
0: Fine. I, I think, again, it goes back to me putting myself in stressful situations. Um, once you're kind of in it, you just figure it out from there.
1: In terms of being in a stressful situation, more stress over a long period of time causes burnout.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Have you felt that at all in this last year and a half?
0: Yes, I have. I, I would say this last term. Um, it, it was finally a full year without having zero breaks. And right before that Christmas break, I was burnt out. And it wasn't just me. It was actually like everyone around me that's in my program. We were all burnt out. And I think, well, the way my school is adjusted is it's super like hardcore all the time. And you don't really have time to like stand and just take a deep breath and just like focus on yourself. Um, So I definitely felt that burnout this like literally a month ago. And I think I, to a certain extent, I still feel it. I still haven't been as motivated as I like to be, um, but it's okay. I think it just, you roll with it.
1: <laughs> right. I have two questions stemming from that statement. The first question is, how'd you deal with that burnout?
0: Um, I want to say I'm ashamed to kind of say that I never dealt with it. I, I mean, I had that two-week break, so I definitely took that two-week break. I went on, like, I went to Vegas for, like, a day, and then I also went to Big Bear. So I kind of, like, went, like, to the surrounding areas. Um, it's It's hard. It's hard when you, all you do for, like, a year is talk about school and focus on school, and then it's, like, now you have a few days off and you're like, okay, well, now what? Might as well talk more about school and like, do more things. So I don't think I dealt with it as much as I'd like to. That's why probably, why I'm still burnt out. Um, But I, I just keep telling myself less than a year. And then I can, I can have all the time to breathe.
1: <laughs> Looking at the bigger picture is always a key thing, but then you always have to like bring it down and subsize it down to smaller reasonable goals that you can reach. So uh, while that big picture is right there, looking at that the entire time is not really going to help you. No, you got to be like, Oh, I got to get past next week. If you can do that step-by-step over time, that helps out. Yes. Uh, My second question about burnout is how has doing nursing school now during this climate of COVID, how is that majorly different than doing it nursing school regularly? Other than the fact they have to be on the computer 24 seven, 7 are there any other differences in nursing school now versus last year or two years ago?
0: Huge, um, huge differences. And the main one is that I'm a year into my program and I've never seen a patient. Um, We're currently not allowed to go to hospitals. Um, We have a lot of applications, which you know, even for clinical days, which would be your 12 hour days that you're supposed to be at the hospitals. um, We're now working online. Um, Nursing is a lot of hands-on. It's really, really hard when you don't come from a background from medical field. So I've never worked in a medical setting. Um, I honestly kind of forgot what a hospital looks like to be honest, (laughs) but I've only been to the hospital because of me or like, you know because I was like ill at one point or whatever. So I think that's the really, really hard part. I've never seen a patient, I don't know anything but the textbook. I know a lot of textbook, but other than that, I don't really know much. The positive is that I am getting my second vaccine on Tuesday. So um, I'm hoping that after this term, we're able to I mean, that's the light at the end of the tunnel. Like the hospitals can't really say anything now because we're vaccinated. So um, I'm hoping that after this term, we'll be able to go back and actually get some hands-on practice.
1: Are you concerned that not being able to touch patients is detrimental to your success moving forward?
0: Yes. I am terrified. I think that, well, the, the looks of it from my program right now is the only people that are going to clinical settings are critically in the students in critical care, which is, um, from the name, you're critically ill patients. So just looking at that, if that is the day that I'm supposed to go to the hospital is the first time seeing a patient. And now that patient is dying on me and I'm supposed to figure out how to take care of it. Then, um, so that's definitely nerve wracking as, as to why I literally just refer to the patient is it. it. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> They're human beings risk. Let's not forget <laughs> what steps are you taking in order to make yourself feel better about stepping in there and doing what you need to do. Are you taking more practice reps with a mannequin or are you just reviewing more often? Or are you having different scenarios put out in your head? What steps are you taking to make you feel more prepared? Um,
0: there, I, there's not much you can do. I do like to just throw in like whatever I learn into my daily life. Um, so for example, when you get like a head rush, when you stand up, um, that's called an orthostatic hypotension. Um, so basically every time I get up, like my roommate just laughs because I just stand there and like, Oh my God, I have orthostatic hypotension, like just stupid stuff like that. Um, we did have like a illegal IV party. <laughs> so like, we just um, started doing IVs on each other. Um, two of my friends are in the medical field, so they they had an idea of what to do. Um, and we did technically learn. I just happened to do it on my teddy bear, and not a real human. So it was pretty cool to do it on a real human. Um, I'm happy to say that I failed six out of the six times that I did it, um, but it's okay. <laughs> just a lot of blood everywhere. Um, but other than that. Not really, the I, I'm working right now for different movie productions and I'm doing swabbing. Um, so, I mean, that's been cool just getting used to talking to a lot of different people in one day, but still definitely not getting the, the practice I need. I'm hoping that after this term, I'm going to start applying to different hospitals just to work as like a CNA um, or just like an assistant. What um, is a CNA? basically like um, they do the dirty work like they clean the patients they bathe the patients they take like the food and stuff but I'm hoping that it would just give me something to to do and just to get exposed to that hospital the hospital really
1: <laughs> okay uh, which hospitals are you looking to apply to for your clinicals
0: um, I'm looking at so once we graduate nursing school we go into a like a new grad program. Um, Not all the time, but most of the times you can choose to take this route just to save your license in the future. And basically what you do is work under a nurse, even though you are a nurse Um, and you just learn that the hospital policies. So I am right now I am looking into getting jobs at hospitals that have a great new grad program, because once you're done with school, you need to interview for those programs. And they say when, when you work at that hospital, you do have an advantage of like getting that interview. So I'm looking into Hogue. I'm looking into, um, Cider Sinai I'm looking into Torrance. I, I want to say I'm looking into Kaiser, but that's like a long shot, <laughs> but I will definitely like apply and see what happens.
1: What is your dream hospital? Kaiser. Kaiser. Why is that?
0: Um, it's like the top of the top. <laughs> I mean, like, um, it's one of the well-known hospitals. They have great benefits and, um, they do an outstanding patient care job because they're so like strict on getting which staff they want. And they're so strict on picking their people that they have some of the best people.
1: So you get to work along with the best people around. Yeah which also means that you're the best around. If you think about it, that Hmm. law works. (laughs) Uh, One last thing. I mean, we're pretty much entering like the end of this interview. So I appreciate your time. Uh, One last question though, is what do you want people to take away from this interview? What is one thing that you want them to remember from this?
0: Hmm. One thing I want people to remember from this is Can I say two things?
1: (laughs) Say two things. Um,
0: I think one of the main things that I have learned, which I kind of touched on was it's okay to not be okay. And that's one of my favorite quotes. Um, And especially in this time during this pandemic, during like this unknown and a lot of unknowns happen in life that um, accepting that it's okay to not be okay and I'm gonna be okay at the end is very, very important. Um, and then also just being positive. I swear when I started seeing changing the little things and focusing on that little positive, I felt good energy and positivity coming towards me. Once I started shifting that mentality of, of course, this would happen to me. Like, why wouldn't it?, <laughs> you know, um, to kind of saying, okay, this happened to me and it kind of sucks, but why did it happen? Like, what can I get out of it? Um, Once I started shifting that mentality, everything kind of fell into place. You start believing yourself to do whatever you want. And um, I think that if I didn't have that mentality, I wouldn't be able to get through nursing school right now. Um, I wouldn't be able to get through my life right now. Um, so I think that's definitely something people should take away.
1: Wow. Both really good points. Um, I just want to say that Naomi said the exact same exact point as you, it's okay to not be okay. So hearing that twice in two back-to-back weeks is, you know, more reinforcement. It's okay to not be okay. And also be positive because that makes life way better. Mm -hmm. Uh, Where can people find you?
0: Where can people find me? (laughs) Um, Instagram, I would say. Is that what you mean? Like where- Yes, exactly. <laughs> me? Yes. Um, Instagram. Um, I. Yeah, that's pretty much really it. I try to, I love meeting new people. Um, I love helping people. Um, and yeah, I'm always here. Um,
1: if you follow her Instagram, she does publish workout videos every once in a while. So if you wanna get a good workout in, Go ahead and give her a follow and see what she's working out that day. Cause they're decent. They're good workouts. Not decent. They're really good workouts. I'll give you that. <laughs>
0: Thanks.
1: Riss. Thank you for your time. I appreciate you.
0: Of course. Thank you.
1: And that about wraps up episode four of let's talk about life. Hope you guys enjoyed. Hope you guys learned a lot. Got to know Riss a little bit better. Um, I should have mentioned earlier that her name is Arissa, but I call her Riss. So I hope there wasn't confusion there and I hope you figured it out by the time this episode is over. Um, Other than that, please check her out on Instagram. She has some really great quotes, great stuff on Instagram, great content. Um, She does work out a lot, and so there's a lot of influences that you can take from that to implement in your own workouts, as well as follow her nursing journey. She's going to be a great nurse one day, so it's going to be a lot of fun to see where she ends up and how she gets there. That being said, thank you for tuning in once again. If you have anybody who wants to be on this podcast if or if you yourself want to be on this podcast to talk about your life and share your experiences with everybody else go ahead and send me a dm send me a text we'd love to have you on um, other than that please give us a follow on instagram tiktok you know twitter follow us on apple podcast spotify whatever you got to do give us a five star rating that'd be awesome um but yeah hope you guys have a great rest of your week and i'll see you next week